0: Well, hello and welcome to the Smells Like Money podcast. Join me, Suzanne Chin Taylor, the doo-doo diva, as I interview guests who are making an impact on how we manage and operate systems for conveying and treating wastewater. As a veteran of the wastewater, trenchless, and civil infrastructure industry, each week I'll be bringing you industry know-how from industry pros who know how. Join me each week as I speak with representatives of organizations that are utilizing disruptive or new technologies and methods, and executives who are excited to share how to be successful and sustainable in our vital industry. So whether you want to learn about the latest trends in technology, in treatment or trench lists, gain tips on training and retaining great talent, or simply how to be more efficient, productive or profitable, this podcast is for you. Ready? Let's dive right in. Well, hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Do Do Divas Smells Like Money podcast. I have the great pleasure of visiting again with my BFF and the other Do Do Diva, Mary Stormy Schaefer, and we are going to be discussing um, some interesting topics that are a little somewhat marketing related, but... uh, addressing the needs of those listeners who may be fantastic field techs and may have been considering that jump into becoming their own boss and dipping their tool, their little toe into the world of entrepreneurship and what that means and what they need to be prepared for. And also to determine after you really examine what we're going to be talking about today is this something you really really want to do and so because most small businesses do fail within their first year uh very few make it past even five years uh where they achieve great wealth you need to be able to look before you leave not that we're saying don't take the leap but just know what you're getting into and being prepared because let, let's face it what is that old expression forewarned is is forearmed because in a way um It can be a daily battle, um, but it is absolutely a worthwhile battle as someone who's been doing this for many, many years. And so without further ado, um, we wanna discuss that trip of going from tech to entrepreneur and small contractor essentials and what you are gonna need to succeed. And so I want Stormy to kind of talk about how you need to be ready, like what are the things that you need to be ready for the sales and marketing arm of your new venture, should you decide to take the leap? And so go ahead and take it away, my friend.
1: Okay, thank you. It's great to be back here with you again, Suzanne. Um, Always a fun time here on the Doo-Doo Divas podcast. Um, What we really want to, you know, kind of start out with is that if you are serious about getting into your business for yourself, don't just, you know, jump. You know, people say take the leap or whatever. Yes, there's that. But You really want to do it in a smart way. So you need to plan. You need to be ready because I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's very, very true at the beginning of uh, entrepreneurship is failing to plan is planning to fail. So do your homework, do your due diligence so you understand your markets and what's going to be expected of you as a business owner because you are now responsible for providing that payroll on Friday, which means... You have to bring the customers, you've got to find the work, you've got to schedule the work, you've got to ensure on-time payment from your customers so you can pay your people, you've got to create the schedules, all that stuff. So um, this is really about working on your business as opposed to just working in your business suz you have a couple of really good resources i think you might want to let yes people know
0: there are two books that i absolutely recommend the first one it's an old classic but i mean the principles in it just still ring true and that is the e-myth revisited by michael gerber fantastic read it's it's an enjoyable read it's not very technical you'll actually see yourself in it as you're reading through it just And the second one is a book by Anik Singal. That's A-N-I-K-S-I-N-G-A-L. He is the CEO of Learn Nation. And he wrote a book called eScape where he shares candidly about his own failures and how he basically turned things around. But one of the really neat things in this book is a questionnaire for you to determine Whether or not you have the personality and I guess you would say the temperament to be an entrepreneur, because it takes a very special breed of person to be able to do this and do this successfully. And if you don't have those characteristics, that's not to say that, oh, you're not as good as an entrepreneur. No, it just means that your mind works a different way. Or the things that are really important to you in your life, for your personal life, for that work-life balance, that maybe what entrepreneurship may require of you is just not something that you may be willing to give up. And so the questionnaire, don't think about, you know, oh, oh, I better answer this correctly. No, because then you won't get a, you know, an honest assessment. But don't think about it too hard. Answer it with the first question, your first answer that comes to your mind. And what it points out is the things that you're really strong in. And the things that you might have some weaknesses in that could prevent you from being successful, but at the end of the questionnaire, it's, it doesn't come through as saying, Oh, you're weak in this area. You should never be an entrepreneur. No, what it does is it points out, okay, this is where you're weak. And these are the things that you need to do to shore up those weaknesses. So you can be successful so that you can make an educated decision as to, Oh, well, I could do that. And great, if you can, proceed. If you can't, or you don't want to, there's the bottom line is, it may take an answer and honestly, I don't wanna do that. Well, if you don't wanna do that, then maybe this isn't the right thing for you. And so I would just really recommend that, you know, you get these two books, they're both easy reads and they're fun and I refer to them all the time. And often I will go back to that questionnaire when I'm struggling with something because sometimes it'll point out things where I might have a, what I call a limiting belief or one of those weaknesses and how I can turn it around.
1: Right, so those two books again are The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber and Escape by Anik Singhal. And the E here stands for entrepreneur, not electronic. So that might help you a little bit if you were put off.
0: They're both available on, you know, most (laughs) of the, they're available on Amazon. I believe they both have a Kindle edition and just, yeah, they're, they're just fantastic reads. So moving on, you know, I love that comment that you made about, you know, working on your business and that a lot of people are scared about business plans, but there are some resources. And you mentioned a couple of them, um, being, you know, small business development centers, the SBA score, and that new business plans, uh, share with me what I was not aware of, but I think because you know about it because you're, I think you, you mentioned your brother-in-law is someone that is an angel investor and approves business plans that what people need to be aware of. So just kind of, you know, share that if you will.
1: Right. So, um, yeah, I, we did talk about, um, earlier, but we didn't talk about on here yet about the SBA, which is the small business association. That's a federally funded. Um, basically it's an organization that helps people become business owners. There's the score program, which is the senior core of retired executives. This is where you get like, you can't pay for this kind of stuff. It, it's free. And what you're getting is a, a person who has been a successful entrepreneur maybe a serial entrepreneur, but has definitely had success in being a business owner. And they will actually look at your business plan and vet your business plan and tell you what will work and what absolutely is not going to. And it'll keep you from crashing and burning. And the only thing it's going to take you and cost you is some time. And then there's the small business development centers. Um, Suze you want to talk about that you've got more yes uh, experience uh, I've done those. some work
0: with the Coachella Valley um, Women's Business Development Center which is like an SBDC they offer a lot of free you programs. Actually it. yeah free programs or low-cost programs where they have classes you work with a consultant and they actually even though you do the work they will actually coach you through and help you write that business plan and even come up with resources for possibly getting an SBA loan or approaching angel investors or other types of small business loans and determining what you're actually going to need to get your business off the ground and to have some operating or, you know, capital funding to keep you going until you get those first contracts and get that business coming in. So again, like Mayor, uh, like StoryMe was saying, they they, these are federally funded program. This is your tax dollars at work. Take full advantage of that and utilize those. Utilize yeah, like, it's like getting Holy.
1: free business college, actually. Yes, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, talking about the business plan, yes, it's an old fashioned um, concept, but it works. And the fact is, no one who's going to take a risk on you, even if you're not looking for investors, they're not going to really take you seriously unless you have a business plan. And the reason is, to create a business plan, you have to have gone through all the potential scenarios and you have to be able to um, show people that you have thought out things that could happen, um, things that you believe will happen. And you have to have contingencies for all of these. Now, the difference is it used to be, excuse me, that the only thing that impressed, you know, people was for you to come in there with like a 300 page plan with what we call the thud factor, you know, it hits the Hits the table with a thud. <laughs> That's not what people use anymore. Nowadays, uh, my my brother in law, who's an investment banker, tells me that a standard business plan, at least on approach the first time, is thirty to fifty pages. Because, quite honestly, what and if you're looking for funding, what people are going to be looking at is your financials, your profit and loss statement. Uh, you know where you are right now with how much money you have put aside for capital you know, operations, things like that. That's what they're really going to look at. And I guarantee you the first thing they're going to look at is your financials, because if your financials are bad, they're not going to waste their time on the rest of your plan. So make sure those are, you know, real sturdy and solid. But the rest of the initial plan is going to be a basic overview of what you want to do. If they look at your financials and they like them, then they will go back and revisit your overview. After that, they may ask you for a more fully fleshed out plan. Be ready with that. Have it have it ready to go. Even if during that meeting they tell you some things they'd like to see that would change, fine. Go back and make those changes. But you've already got the basic, you know, body of it done, and you don't have to spend a whole lot of time in development. Um, but yeah, it's it's way easier to do a thirty to fifty than a three hundred to a five hundred page plan. And that was not ever anything that was out of the question um <clears throat> generally for a small business like yours you would have not needed the high end of that but mm-hmm. you know it just gives you an idea of what people are expecting so you don't freak out and think oh my god i got to you know and if you're not a writer you know there are so many more tools today that you can use to help you you can literally write your thing even if you're a bad writer okay you can write your thing up and you, you can hire some kid you know, on, I wouldn't say a kid, but you might want an adult on like Fiverr or something to actually go in and clean it up. Um, and then run it through Grammarly. It's a free service online. It'll catch the bad punctuation, the bad wording, you know, you'll get capitalized properly. You'll be told how to say something in a much more succinct way that sounds grown up and, you know, you may then want to take that and run it past the SBA score people. That's where you want them to come in and vet your plan first. They will also tell you if there are weaknesses in your financials and you'd really like to catch those before you go in and make your pitch. Um, But even if you don't look for money, maybe you've got everything you need right now, as far as resources, that plan is not something to show someone and shove in a drawer. That plan is your roadmap to success or if you lose it or put it in the door and ignore it, it's irrelevant and you probably will not be on a road to success. That sounds really brutal, but it's just true. So, you know, the whole point of doing a plan is to think through everything and not be having ugly surprises every day at work where you suddenly feel overwhelmed and just cannot move forward. So <clears throat> there are a in order to do a plan and to know everything that's in it, there are a lot of great free resources online, there are templates, there are how to's that will literally walk you through the entire process. You, All you've got to do is just sit there and, and read through it. I believe there are even some people who do that kind of coaching that have some free how to's on YouTube. So, um, you know, for people that are starting businesses now compared to when I started mine back in the mid 80s, boy, just so many more resources available. And you really want to take advantage of that Um, and do absolutely make this plan and commit it to paper. I mean, this is not something you want to walk around with it in your head because it's not possible. Um, Where we're going to talk about the part that we're going to talk about is that every good business plan includes a thorough marketing plan. And these days, a thorough marketing plan includes the virtual selling environment online, um, <clears throat> which necessarily means you're gonna have a digital marketing plan. Again, don't freak out. This is It's new to everybody. You're not gonna be alone in that it's new, but just tell yourself the truth about this instead of freaking yourself out. And the truth is, it's just another tool. It's like a pencil or a typewriter When people moved from pencils to typewriters, they were freaked out, but they figured it out that after a while, this was a very good tool to have. And now you're just moving from the computer or from the uh, computer onto online or real life into virtual environments. And it's really just another tool. It's not here to make your life miserable. It's here to make your life way easier. And once you learn it, it will. Um, I want to put a little kind of, just a piece of a thought out there that I think it's uh, maybe inspirational a little bit and make you relax a little. If you look at uh, history, we are almost identical in our current, if you're a person of a certain age, let's say if you're above 30, and you're and you're wanting to figure out where you're going with your career, um, we are kind of at the same place as people were back at the turn of the last century, when, you know, Automobiles and motor powered vehicles replaced horse drawn carriages. There were people there that either decided, hey, I'm in, you know, I make leather reins for harnesses, or they said, oh, I'm in the transportation business. Guess which one lived on, and guess which one either found another way to go or retired. So here's what you get to do you get to allow yourself exactly one week. And I would prefer that it was more like three days to give yourself a pity party and feel that the world is unfair and making you reskill or upskill. And then you got to get over yourself and do the reskilling and the upskilling. Because if you don't, you will be history. I include myself in that. I am currently upskilling. I am currently reskilling. I know Suzanne's doing the same thing. If you are committed to being a business owner or even participating in the economy, reskilling and upskilling is what's going to help you and save you. So, just to give you, yes, you're allowed to feel that and then you got to get over it and move on. So, um <clears throat> back to the digital marketing plan, that is now going to include this is not replacing all the old stuff you yeah. used to do. Yeah. This is in addition I mean, to some things you will be able to replace, but it's not an either or. It is never going to be an either or you know old selling skills face to face never went away when writing came out and writing never went away when computers came out and computers aren't going to replace everything this is always going to be a hybrid atmosphere so you should be versed in face to face selling like at trade shows and just meeting people in business meetings and parties non and street and you should also be versed in the traditional methods of brochures and uh, again, trade booths and things like that signage. And then you want to have your virtual presence, which will include your website, which will be like the hub of everything else that you do. You will have a social media presence, maybe an e-newsletter. A good quick tip um, for doing an e-newsletter. Not everybody will want to do that, but if it does work for you, but you think, oh, I, I'd really like to do that, but I'm freaking out about what I'm going to do for content. One of the great things you can do is take all of the uh, previous month's social media feed and basically just repackage it into your e-newsletter, put an intro and an outro on it, and boom, you're done. Send that out by your your email blast program or You might use a Weber or MailChimp or a constant contact or convert kit. Those are all great. Um, If you don't have time or the staff to do this yourself, hire a virtual assistant. Um, This is a relatively new position that's been made possible through online outsourcing, but there are excellent VAs available for as little as seven or $8 an hour. Now, being sensitive to the idea that our industry is still very much uh, hands-on and kind of down home people um, and and, and I again include myself in that. But uh, there are people that will have aversion to offshoring or using people that are out of the country. <clears throat> you can also get VAs right here in America, but you will pay a lot more money. like the the least I've ever paid an assistant here, is about $12 an hour and it's generally more like 15 to 20. Mm -hmm. But if you wanna use people offshore in like Costa Rica or the Philippines or Singapore, they all uh, have had English as a second language. Um, It is a little more difficult to understand, but generally you're the only person working with them. So if you can understand them, it's fine. Frankly, they tend to have way, way, way better work ethics than you're gonna find here in America. And uh, they really, really want to please you because they really, really need the money. And you will find that they're very, very grateful for everything that you give them. And they're polite and they always go above and beyond. I've never not had that happen. Um, This is not to disparage Americans, um, but, you know, it's just what the market will bear. And we do live in a global economy, so we need to, you know, behave as though we do. So uh, with that, um, I'll throw it back to Suzanne about uh, what the next steps that we need to take. The next steps,
0: I mean, thank you. I I just wanna add something onto that. the VA uh, in that don't try to do everything yourself. Yeah. Having someone to take that, those mundane tasks off your shoulders So that you can focus on those larger revenue generating activities i didn't do it for the longest time and i started using i now use three different vas for different tasks that do different things it was probably the smartest move that i ever made for my business and i laugh because my one va i tease him in that and and here i am a marketing person and a writer and a journalist for trade magazines and sometimes i look at the things he will actually correct my grammar and my spelling. And I laugh and I say, Guru, you speak better English than I do. You write correct English better than I do. And I think it's because of the education system. But enough on the offshore. That's that's very much a very personal decision and whatever you want to feel comfortable with. But I myself have had a great, like you have, I've had a fantastic experience, both, you know, domestically and and offshore. It all depends on what you
1: need. It's just a matter of not being short-sighted about it because you feel like you need to do all these things yourself. And maybe in the first, you know, month, maybe you need to. Mm -hmm. But try really hard to budget for a virtual assistant. And the best reason to have a VA is you can actually set it up so they only work part-time on a sometimes they'll want a certain amount of hours. Some are willing to work on a gig basis. You won't get those people that long because if they're good, they're going to get busy and then you're going to have to schedule in with them. But it's a good way to get somebody who's on a contract basis. So you're not responsible for benefits or, you know, you can just send them a W9 and that's it. And it makes it easy. But like Suzanne said, you know, once you do it, you realize how much of this stuff you are absolutely capable of outsourcing because it does not have to be you. And I think Suze would agree with me that the biggest, biggest source of discomfort for a new entrepreneur and a startup is overwhelm. And I mean, overwhelm yes. in every way, time, uh, money, Energy. Oh, that's a big one. You know, remember when you were just working in your business, you could just do the tasks that needed done and go home. When you're working on your business, it doesn't happen without you. And it doesn't happen for any of your employees either. So protecting yourself from overwhelm is not a selfish thing. It's a necessity. That
0: oh, That's a great thing to bring up. So you also have to think about as a startup, Who do you want to work with? Because you're going to very soon discover the 80 20 rule rings so very true. And what we mean by the 80 20 rule is that 80% of your profit is going to come from 20% of your clients. So as you're deciding to jump in, where do you want to jump in? So folks in our industry, they may decide, you know, I, I want to be doing purely residential work or maybe i want to do residential small small commercial Uh, perhaps it's um purely all municipal or maybe i just want to do commercial industrial because it doesn't have that long selling cycle because we all know with municipal sales it can sometimes be up to a two-year sell cycle and so at the end of the day just remember You want to do work that is profitable. Profit is not a dirty word. It's not a dirty four letter word. It's a, what is it? It's a six letter word. And and there's a lot of connotation of, oh, profit was evil because of big corporate America and you're going to go into business for yourself to make a, a profit, not to make a loss, but to make a profit. Okay. So, if you want to know, I don't want to belabor this because this really isn't our expertise. Although we know how to run our numbers and understand what we have to bill to make our nut, because at the end of the day, the numbers do not lie. Run your numbers and know your numbers. So, if you want to know more about this, we were—I was lucky enough to have a ex-contractor, retired contractor Jim Onderud who is the author of the Profitability Playbook. And we had him as a guest on two earlier podcasts. And I would suggest tuning into those and replaying those. They're they're up on our channel on YouTube where he talks about just that subject of profitability, why you're not making as much money as you could, and what you could do about it.
1: And, well, and not only is similar. Is a not only Jim a retired contractor? He's also an author who actually wrote about this facet of his experience. Yes, uh, and, in and, a, and, uh, and
0: and and the pitfalls, and and he shares. Business. He's yeah, he's very candid about you know the mistakes that he made, and he said, yeah, I got educated in the school of hard knocks, and what better way to learn how what to do than from somebody else's mistakes and what to avoid? So you know, encourage you to go back and and view those. And so the next step, because, you know, we don't want to run too long on this podcast because we've got other topics that we're going to cover later, but I want to make sure that, because this is something that is near and dear to our heart, is the branding and the positioning of your new business. So with that, um, Stormy, I'd like you to talk about, you know, a few of those things that are important on that list that we need to, you know, make sure that people know that they have to be prepared for and cover and we'll wrap it up and then we'll go into a deeper dive on the rest of the
1: episodes in this series. Right. So the the two big um, concepts in marketing are branding and positioning. Branding is who you are and positioning is basically what you do and where you fall among your peers doing the same thing. So to begin with, you know, branding, you obviously need to come up with a name uh, that needs to be memorable and it needs to be descriptive. It it shouldn't, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to be all mysterious and cool with cool names, but if it doesn't evoke what you do, you're making your job harder. You know, nobody's going to wonder if, you know, if if your place is called, you know, JR's rooting and jetting, they'll know what you do but if you're going to get all cute and call it the JRA phone or something, I mean, I'm just making this up, but right. Don't get cute. With it. You know, be descriptive and be memorable. Stand out, you know, from the crowd. You're immediately going to then, once you decide on a name, you're going to need to come up with a logo and um, your visual branding. That's referred to in our industry as corporate identity. They usually, um, it usually includes your graphics, your colors, your fonts um generally even if it's just a one-page sheet there's branding reproduction guidelines and you want to do that so that you have a consistency of the way your brand appears everywhere all of the biggers you know corporations mcdonald's amazon m&ms they all they all have the same level of i mean those corporate books are like this thick the branding books but um you know you can basically just do some rules and and they can be pretty simple you'll also want to immediately like as soon as you know what your name is get your web domain registered and you want to get a hosting package for your site now what kind of hosting package you get depends on what you want to do if you want to um sell online you know you're going to want something that incorporates a shopping cart you may decide you don't want to get into all that and just hire someone to do it for you, but you still want to be able to update it yourself. Then you might want to go with something like Wix or Shopify or uh, Weebly, but Weebly's kind of lame and I don't really like it. The only thing I don't like about those owned platforms is they can disappear overnight and take all your stuff with them. So I was going to share that you don't own your site. They own right. your site. Yeah. So if they
0: start to start raising their prices on your monthly cost and you don't want to pay it, guess what? You're gonna to have to build your site somewhere else and you will lose all of that work. Although yeah. it can get you up and started right away. Yeah. I, I I always mean, if caution you clients to pay... own your own technology. And yeah. with sites, you know, with WordPress. It's it's very easy to get a one-page site built as a stopgap and then, you know, just just to start out and then start building onto it.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's the most widely used platform in the world. If you don't want to build a WordPress site yourself, there are tons of people on Upwork or Fiverr that'll do it for you for a package deal, a um, few hundred bucks, and just to get going. And you can always expand on that. Not true when you go on an owned platform and along those same lines, whatever you do, if you decide you want to start selling on Facebook, by all means, go for it. Do not make that your only platform. Do not make that be the one place you're making all your money because in, it could change overnight what they're going to let you do on it. And I've seen it happen. I, I literally have friends who have lost their entire businesses because they depended on an owned platform. Um, so if you need to do your marketing on a shoestring, uh, there are a few things that are really, really essential to your marketing that you have to do no matter what. And even in this day and age, the first of those is to have a great business card that's got standout branding on it. So it really needs to showcase your, your logo and your graphics. It really needs to give people a way to get a hold of you. And because printing is so cheap these days, you can do them online. Use the front and back of the card. Don't be shy. I will say one thing, though. There is some kind of a cachet attached to, let's say you're in a meeting and somebody comes up and they're like, you know, um, I'd really like to follow up with you. Flip your card over and it's blank. And you say, you know what? That's my business phone on here, but here's my cell. Reach out. You automatically make that prospect feel really special because you're giving your personal phone to them. And they know that you're really interested in them. And it does carry some some credibility and motivation to that. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with using your card on both sides. What there is a problem with, it's a business card, not a billboard. Okay. You can't it shove It's not five, an eight-page brochure either. <laughs> right. You can't shove five pounds into a three-pound bag and expect it to be effective. White space is not a dirty thing. Negative space is not a dirty thing. So just make (laughs) your stuff simple, clear, and easy to follow. By all means, on the back, put a call to action. It's not gonna hurt. Ask for what you want. Call me today, get on my website, send me an email. Whatever you want people to do, tell them because they need to be told. Um, Another thing, and especially in our industry with wastewater management, get yourself a truck wrap if you can it's not a cheap date. I mean, you're talking about a few thousand dollars, but it's a rolling billboard. And if you get the really good quality wraps, it'll last for years before it starts to fade or tear off. And every place you go, you have a billboard. It's almost like a no brainer. I mean, this should be in like, you know, for any kind of service based businesses, this should be like a 101 requirement. Um, on your website, again, you want to have a clear, easy to understand and easy to follow call to action with an offer. You know, here's what you might want, do this to get it. Calls to action are the heart and lifeblood of direct response Mm. for anything. And then you need to really, you know, get, get to know the local media, but it's more than getting to know them. You need to become credible with them and provide value to them, because then you become someone that makes their life easier. And I am reporting to you as a journalist. I, I still do journalism today. So does Suzanne. And I've been a journalist my entire life, like since I was in junior high school. I started on the newspaper there. I did newspaper in high school and all that. And here's what I can tell you. Someone who makes it easier for you to get and finish the story is always going to be of valuable contact for you. They will immediately rate higher on your attention scale. They will immediately rate higher on your credibility scale. So how do you you get this credibility? Well, here's what I've discovered is the easiest thing, especially for a service company. Do some form of community activism that gives you visibility. One of the easiest, cheapest ways to do this is to sponsor like a local sports team, like, like a little league or a beer league, you know, Um, but here's the, uh, here's a really good example of why that works. What it's going to cost you is you're going to buy them hats, you're going to buy them t-shirts and you may sponsor a banquet at the end of the year. And if there are awards given out, you might pay for a couple of those, you know, you're talking like maybe 500 bucks, but here's the deal. Every time you've got a bleachers full of parents and family and visiting friends watching, you know what they're looking at the whole time the backs of those shirts with your name and phone number on them all for how long is that? At least an hour. Okay. Maybe two. If you go into overtime Um, it's like really the constant repetition is what does it Uh, studies have been done on this over and over and over. And they've found that on average, a person needs to see something seven times before it registers in the front of their mind. And then they need to see it once a week to keep it there.
0: 11 different ways. The other one, it was the seven come 11 rule. They need to see it seven times. No, it's another way, Mary. It's actually, they need to see it 11 times in seven different formats before it actually, actually will register and they'll consider doing business with you. Right. Yeah, it's a, tri- it's a trigger mechanism.
1: But but the thing is that, that constant repetition of yes. once a week, seeing that, you know, if, if games are on Friday night, you know, that means once a week you're getting your repetition out there you need. But you're getting it if you've got the nine players on the field, right? You're getting nine of those shirts out there, those jerseys. And they're looking, you know, it's just a really great way to do it. Another way to do it would be to donate time or labor to a local charity, uh, you know, like an animal shelter. Boys and Girls Club, you could do a sponsor, a stretch of road where you do that environmental cleanup and there's your sign. It's there every day. This stretch of road sponsored by, you know, Jerry's Portables. Um, Then you want to, uh, when you are in these activities, make sure someone's there to take a picture of you with their iPhone or just hand them your phone and say, would you mind just taking a picture of me doing this? I'll be like, what are you doing? That's just a little bit of good credibility for my business. Here's the thing to be careful of. Know that every time you send in a press release that talks about what you're doing, you're not always going to get to get uh, right. published. The editor may not need that filler at the time. But if you're careful and you pay attention... Let's say you do something on environmental cleanup. Say you say you just sponsored and you just did a really big cleanup. You took a picture of your crew and and it's all your employees and they're really proud and they're wearing your own t-shirts for your business. Now that is a is good local news and if you release it right around like two weeks before, um, uh, what's the name of the holiday? I can't remember. Earth Day, uh, April twenty right. first. Okay, so all of a sudden. They've got a beautiful local story. And here's what's the best part. If you do that smart and you hook it up with a timely event, they won't just run what you wrote. They'll come out and do a story on you. They'll do a video. You'll probably get on the actual news. So think, do this smart. Think about things ahead of time. If you don't have time to pay attention to this stuff, find someone in your organization. There's bound to be at least one person who's interested in marketing a little bit and give them this as a, a responsibility. Find all of the upcoming events in the next year, you know, holidays or observances that would give us a reason to generate a press release. But here's the other thing. If you've just been featured somewhere, stop sending for a little bit because then it looks very self-serving. Mm. So You know, skip a month, you know. Um, you don't want to look like it's just you're trying to make it all about you this really has to be where you're doing something you really care about so again you're going to want to create a well-written press release that you send with photos from that event or activity now here's the deal Um, make sure your photos have focus sharp focus really good clarity you want good contrast between light and dark because they may not be able to use it in color they might switch it over to black and white you need that contrast but a a story that's accompanied by at least one photograph automatically doubles its chances of getting published somewhere, either online or on broadcast or in print. Um, take photos of everything that you do. You just never know when you might it. use it and be able to have that available. And then if you don't know how to write a press release, it's OK, because, again, Google is your friend. Google press release templates and they they will come up you will now start seeing a a different kind of press release template than you used to and it's called a social media friendly press release it has a couple more um, elements to it but they're all very self-explanatory and the templates will show you how to do it they're very easy to use but have that the one biggie and this is one we deal with a lot is creating and maintaining a news distribution list. And again, earlier I talked about things like MailChimp and these, you know, basically email blast programs. Some of them have way more than email blasts going for them. Um, But creating and maintaining the news distribution list, it's really critically important and it's also quite time consuming, I'm not gonna lie. It's pretty front loaded. Creating it, um, it's a pain in the butt. And you're going to have to do some homework. And again, this is something you could assign to a VA or someone who's lower on the totem pole. You do not have to be the one to do this. What you do have to do is hand them the assignment and say, here are the two newspapers and three local magazines and two radio stations and one TV station. I want to make sure we get on. Check and see if we have a local patch online and whatever else you think. But these are the ones I know I want us to cover every time. After that, just fill it out. And if you're starting from scratch, you know, try to find 25 names of news outlets. If you can't and 10 is all you've got, then make your 10. But keep them up to date. Update this list at least once a year because sending to Dear Editor is not effective. You want to find a name, a phone number, and an email address. Those are what you really need. And then
0: then make sure that you include the fact that you sent this press release, whether it got picked up or not, have a news release section and a newsroom on your website. Well, Mary, we need to wrap this up, but that this, this is a great place to stop and to segue into the fact we're going to be taking um, a deep dive into more of these aspects and concepts about branding and positioning. And we're going to talk about lifting the veil on some of these basic principles. And I'm just going to let you introduce that on our next episode. But this is also a great time for us to just, since we, you did talk a lot about PR, we've heard a great need in the marketplace of understanding this. And so by Q1 of next year, I know it's going to be right here before we know it, uh we are going to be working on a pr e-course and service slash coaching program for just the wastewater industry that will be on the heels of our current diy digital marketing playbook for wastewater pros to help you extend digital marketing just one step further into incorporating pr as part of the mix So we'll be talking about that in future episodes on the Do Do Divas podcast as it gets a little closer to launch. So stay tuned for that. We're really excited to be able to bring that to you. And we are also in the development of actually producing another course that is going to be all about this subject of taking the jump from tech to entrepreneur. So I wanna thank you for sharing time out of your busy schedule today for this episode of the DooDoo Diva's Smells Like Money podcast. And until next time, keep it flowing. Thanks so much for joining me, the Doo Do Diva, on this week's episode of Smells Like Money. What stood out to you this week? Share your takeaways by leaving me a review. You can find out more about the new technologies creating sustainable solutions and insights on how to succeed in our vital industry by subscribing to the show. Whether you want to learn about the latest trends in wastewater infrastructure, treatment, or trench lists, you've got it all right here at Smells Like Money. If you're an industry expert and would like to be considered as a guest for the show, book a quick chat with me by visiting calendly.com forward slash the Tuit Group forward slash b a-podcast-guest, or simply click the link in the show notes below. Until next week, a big shout out to all my industry friends and those who will be. You are my superheroes. Thanks for tuning in, keeping it flowing, and we'll see you all next week.